You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Locked on ACC. Well, we are here with Tyler Aki of Locked on Syracuse. We are going to talk all things Duke football today. And it's a great time for you to really get locked in with this podcast here. It is hosted by me and my friends every single day. Follow the Locked on ACC podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts jumping into things again mentioning the fact that Duke had an interesting 2020 and now they are here in 2021 trying to figure out who they are and Tyler I mean they are not exactly on the top end of the spectrum and I know you're familiar with having a struggling football team so can you relate in a few ways oh you had to start there huh (laughs) you had to start there no but this is a this is a Duke team they actually got their only ACC win against uh, the Syracuse Orange who I cover for Locked On but when you look back on their 2020 season, not a lot to really pick up on. You had the win against Syracuse. You had a non-conference win against Charlotte as well, but the defense struggled, the offense struggled. And for a team that really prides itself historically on discipline, I think Dave Cutcliffe does a fantastic job with the program overall, but it felt like the discipline wasn't there per se. And that's something that's going to need to change in 2021. Now, listen, I'm used to Duke being like, okay, decent. Like, they're not horrible. They might pick up a couple wins every now and then. But I feel like 2020 was exceptionally rough. I don't know, but I don't know if you got that feeling. I just, it just felt like very off for the Duke Blue Devils and to the point where I'm like, okay, is Coach Cut thinking about retirement? Like, how is this working here? Because I'm not sure how much longer they can really go through this process. Because they had the quarterback transfer. What is his name? Why am I blanking out here? Chase Bryce. Yeah. Yes, Chase Bryce, who struggled in in very nice, mm-hmm. <laughs> nice terms. He struggled a lot for the season. And I think they were trying to make it work. You know, he thought he was going to be the superstar. He'd come to Duke and maybe the next Daniel Jones and not quite. Right. And I, I'm a Giants fan, so I give a lot of flack to Daniel Jones, but <laughs> not quite. But you look at Coach Cut again, like you said, the undisciplined and just kind of they were every they were everywhere and then just not where they needed to be, if that makes sense. It just it wasn't what we're used to seeing. And even close losses, like we said, they started out season against Notre Dame and you think, okay, 13-27, it's not horrible because Carolina no. and the other teams that were top of the coastal, they struggled against Notre Dame as well. So I'm thinking, okay, obviously that's a loss, but then and you start getting uglier and uglier as the season goes on. I mean, there were definitely some one possession games, but overall it was just kind of like, who is Duke? The identity of being like mediocre and bad is just, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I think the, the full summation of the Duke experience, I've got a couple numbers I want to throw at you. First of all, yeah. offensively, they led the nation in turnovers with 39, which when you think about what coach cut is, he is the quote unquote quarterback whisperer. He's a guy who's coached the Mannings, all that stuff. So I thought when they brought in Chase Bryce, a guy who probably wasn't going to see the field because of a guy named Trevor Lawrence, that was going to be something that Coach Cut could unlock. And Chase Bryce had come in and led a game-winning drive when Trevor Lawrence got hurt in his starting debut. So I thought that, okay, this is going to be a perfect situation for Chase Bryce, but he ends up not being able to do anything. He was last among quarterbacks in the ACC 
with at least 200 attempts and touchdowns. He led the ACC with 15 interceptions. His yards were lackluster as well, which were, they were last in the ACC among all quarterbacks who started every single game. And the defense didn't do anything really to bail you out. Now, part of it is Chase Bryce and, and the offense committing all these turnovers and setting up the opposing offenses in, in good uh, drive and, and short fields. But in the final four games, this team allowed 54 points per game. Final four games, 54 points per game. You're not going to win a single football game when that's the case. Right, right. And you think about it, though. They had dogs on the defensive side. You have Victor Dibukeji, right? You have oh, yeah. Rumpf. It's not like you have, you know, sleepers where, okay, they're just absolutely terrible. You had Michael Carter the second. You had Noah Gray. You had guys that were able to get picked up and then even sign an undrafted free agency. So I'm just sitting here scratching my head. But I know you're scratching your head thinking about that Syracuse win for Duke. <laughs> Like, what the hell, Coach Babers, is going on? Do you, were you more upset the fact that it was the Duke, like Duke, losing to this Duke team, or just the fact that, you know, it was pretty much up and down again for Syracuse as well? I was upset because that A, that was a home game for Syracuse. So you figured, okay, you can take care of one of your fellow bottom feeders of the ACC on your home field. You felt like that was going to be the game. And if you ask me, who's this team going to beat? Are they going to beat Georgia Tech or are they going to beat Duke? I would have guessed Duke because one thing that Syracuse has done really well over the past couple of years, ever since Dino Babers has taken over is turnovers, forcing turnovers, creating havoc on the defensive side of the ball. And this felt like a game where they were going to do that and set the offense up with a number of short fields. But ultimately Duke said, you know what? We're not going to let Chase Bryce decide this game. We're going to let our running game get going. So Mateo Duran, if I'm remembering correctly, had a very mm -hmm. good game. The rest of the, the running back room seemingly ran all over Syracuse, and then it was ball game over. Right. Mateo Duran, again, other people that, like, you had stars. There's you guys. Had... <laughs> There's That's guys. That's why we're all sitting here scratching our head, because you have dogs. You have Mateo Duran. You had Gilbert, who are able to really run the, like, I just, it hurts. It hurts when you do have the people though. And I think that's when a lot of the people we look at the, again, the four guys who went to the NFL, you talk about Duke. It's not exactly like, Oh, well Duke sucks. Yeah. But you do have guys that get to the league. So what do you really want it for? And I, you know, brought up that conversation last week. Is it about getting to the league, no matter what, and having that kind of connection with coach cut, I was talking to JJ Jackson about it, or do you want to go to a program in college where you actually do get some solid wins out of it? Right. And it all comes down to what should Duke be as a football program? Obviously, right. basketball is going to carry the revenue for that school. But if you're Duke, it shouldn't just be some cushy job because of the fact that you, it shouldn't be like Notre Dame and what Mike Bray has. Right. Yeah. It should be a cushy like it's a cushy job, but there's still plenty of opportunity for this Duke program to be good. Yeah. I mean, just look at what a program like Northwestern does, right? right? Where, okay, A, there's a high academic standard to get in, but B, they've still found ways to be successful and in tapping into the different resources. It's not like North Carolina is a dry well of football talent. There's right. plenty of places around North Carolina. You can go down to Georgia, Florida, all those different, South Carolina, uh, the DMV area is all close. Like you're kind of in a football hotbed. Yeah. It almost feels like there are no excuses for why this program was as bad as it was a season ago. Absolutely. And, you know, we I do want to talk about bright spots because, of course, there has to be some sort of gold at the end of the tunnel. But first, I have to remind you guys that Built Bar is 
the best tasting protein bar currently on the market. I'm sure that a lot of Duke players have this in their arsenal now going into next season because Lord knows they could use some 18 amazing flavors that are 100% covered in chocolate. Bill Bar is definitely delicious. If you're a health conscious person, you'll enjoy Bill Bar because it's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code Locked On and you'll get 15, 15% off your next order. Now we're talking about Duke football program who had an unusually horrible 2020 season and there are some tough matchups. The Coastal is not an easy division to try and get through. We all know on any given day, you know, a Coastal team could just figure out, oh, hey, I might even be on Clemson's level, right? So you just never know what you're going to get with the Coastal. But Duke is trying to figure out who they are as a team. And I think Coach Cut is on the retirement watch. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I definitely think he's on the retirement it might be time, like maybe I could just sit back and advise a team versus having to, you know, be in the trenches every single day. What are your thoughts, Tyler? It's, yeah, it'll be an interesting situation with him. He also seems like one of those dudes who just loves football. Yeah. And it's almost like Coach K where, all right, when is he going to retire? But I look at Cud as a guy who I think, like if I'm if I'm a parent of a, of a high level, especially at the quarterback position, of a high level quarterback recruit, Coach Cut's a guy who's got the pedigree. He's got the the track record of helping develop pros. And that's a guy who, if I'm if I'm the parent of a high-level quarterback recruit, I'd love for my son to go play for Coach Cut. And I mean, one of my favorite stats, I think it was up until this season, he had never had a player transfer out of his program. Never. Which is yeah. a, a mark that's obviously going to be shattered because of the the new transfer portal rules and all right. that stuff. But when you look at that, that shows a guy who's got his ducks in a row. He's got his culture in order. And it seems like a stand-up dude to go play football for. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say Coach Cut's probably one of my favorite coaches in the ACC. From covering Duke and Carolina and other triangle schools, he has the best stories, right? You can literally just no sit doubt. and listen to him talk and you're just engulfed in everything that he says. And I love Mac Brown and his story. He'll talk all day as well. Like those press conferences, I'm like, all right, wrap it up. No, okay, cool. Got it. <laughs> stories all day. But Coach Cut, he definitely has some wisdom. I remember him talking about, you know, Coach or Daniel Jones and how he was you know, talking with Eli about his transition. He just has the pedigree and he has the rapport with so many greats in the league and that's good right we love that however we want to get wins on the board and I think that's also something like when you come to Duke yes you know you're going to get a good education right at the end of the day a Duke degree is going to carry you far but we also want some guys who are going to give us more than just one to two wins two to three five at best we want to go to some bowl games right we want to get back to that caliber of what Duke is and they're starting out on a good note right they just signed safety Dominique Long and they also had Van Lynn Jones who's going to be coming and helping at that struggling offensive line and I think those are great two great additions to start your 2020 season off right and I know that this year should be as more normal than we've had we've seen in the past year and a half right I think that's something to see progress when you see people wanting to come to Duke despite the horrible season no doubt and I'm glad you brought up the offensive line there because they returned three starters to that unit and even though the offensive line was not good a season ago one of the important things 
with developing an offensive line is just continuity, health, and and chemistry and, and getting those guys to blend together. And when you return three guys and you also bring in a little bit of talent on top of that as well, that ultimately helps build a strong offensive line, especially in this conference. You see a lot of these upper level and, and top tier offensive lines they're guided by experience. And when you bring back three starters, even if they weren't good a season ago, you let them blend together. You let them mesh. You let them gain that chemistry in the off season and what should be a probably pretty normal off season. I would say 90 to 95% of norm- normalcy will probably return to the off season. That's going to help this team. That's going to help the run game. It's going to help integrate a new quarterback as well. All of that stuff is going to be so important for what Duke wants to do and get them back to the offensive success because if their offense is having success, that'll take a lot of pressure off of the defense as well. Absolutely. And a good conversation topic that generally I just want to ask you, right? A lot of conversation that I'm having and going to have throughout the week is about the quarterback position and how important that is for a college program, right? A lot of things start with a good Mm -hmm. quarterback, but you're mentioning the offensive line and I'm saying guys in the trenches have to give those quarterbacks and those star players space. What would you say offensively is the most important or maybe, you know, there can be several items to making a good offense work. So in the case of Duke, I think it's actually one leads to the other. I want to see Mateo Durant take that next step because I think when you bring in a new quarterback in Gunnar Holmberg, who's Mm -hmm. taken over for Chase Bryce, and and listen, I expect Gunnar Holmberg to be better than what Chase Bryce was just because of Cut's track record, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, the the Chase Bryce experience seems like it is the outlier (laughs) of this entire equation here. (laughs) Anyway, but to get to my original point, Mm -hmm. if Mateo Durant as a running back can take some of the pressure off of Gunnar Holmberg. I think that's going to really help this Duke offense go. Now the defense is also losing a lot of pieces. You're you're actually losing a lot of starters in general, six starters on offense, five on defense. But when you, if you can take some pressure off of a young quarterback by having a supplemental run game, that's going to work wonders. I think for this Duke team, and it's going to be, can they find that perfect balance offensively between Durant and a, a new quarterback under center for this team. A hundred percent. And maybe Holmberg will be a fresh energy and fresh start to this offense. And also, you know, just, just to note, because, you know, I like having fun on this show. It's pretty dope that uh, Gavin Spurrier <laughs> is also a reserve quarterbacks, a grandson of Steve Spurrier. And he just happens to be the former head coach at Duke. So, you know, they keep it all in the family there. I just, you know, that was a complete aside that I figured why not let everybody know here? Cause I think, I think that's fun, right? You might as well just say, Oh yeah, my grandpa. And like, I'm pretty sure coach K has his grandson playing on the team as well. Yeah, he does. <laughs> that's right. He's a, he's a walk on over at Duke. <laughs> so they keep things all in the family over there at Duke. And they're certainly going to need to do that as well as they have to do it for that defensive side. And I want to take a look and talk about that. Cause they've lost again, some key elements to their defensive core but if you're thinking about betting on ACC football this fall and you're trying to figure out whether or not Duke can even climb into the top of the coastal division conversation I encourage you to bet online with betonline.ag if you sign up today for a free account you can use promo code locked on and get hooked up don't sit on the sidelines get in on the action because they have all the latest news odds and info for all your sporting needs they even have pro sports right MLB NBA NHL 
the NBA and NHL are definitely in playoff mode. So you've got to get yourself locked in there. You can parlay single bet, so many different options for you. Baseball is in full swing. So get in the game, use bet online, your online sports book experts. Now we're talking about Duke's defense, who's going to need a great season. And again, Victor Demukeji, Chris Rump, a lot of good guys are going to the league and I'm not, you know, Duke was a, Duke's defense was a key component of them even competing in games a lot of times, right? right? If they had had even an ounce of Chase Bryce, like feeling himself, giving any kind of Trevor Lawrence vibes, they might have been in some games. But defense definitely kept them in conversations. What do you think they're going to need to do in order to really revive this program, kind of turn things around? Well, for me, it has to show your defense has to have faith in the offense, right? Like we see this in the NFL. We see this in college where the defense is going to play its tail off for that first half, but it's a lackluster offense and the defense realizes, Hey, if we give up more than 14 points, we're pretty much screwed. We can't, we can't win this game. If we give up more than, than 14, 17 points. And I look at that and that may have been what the case was with Duke. They got outscored in the second half this season, 221 to 119, over a 100-point margin uh, or scoring margin there in that second half. And to me, that says that the defense, they they gave forth 110% in that first half, and it ultimately came back to bite them because they were worn down. The offense couldn't keep them off the field and get them adequate rest on the sidelines. So we're going to have to see the defense and offense complement each other a little bit more this upcoming season because the, the Duke defense, they forced some turnovers. Okay. Like right. the offense, they, they led the nation in turnovers yet. Somehow the, the turnover margin was minus 19, which isn't good, obviously, but for a, a team that turned the ball over 39 times to get 20 of them back is pretty significant. So they, need a, we need to see this team, play much better complimentary football in all three phases, really. Absolutely. And again, the pickup of safety, Dominic Long, who's coming from Michigan State. He is a graduate transfer who compiled 51 tackles in two pass breakups in one block. So at least giving energy is what I hope he'll bring to this Duke defense. More importantly, though, I think someone who just has kind of a senior leadership component and wants to come in right away. We know Coach Cut's not bringing in anybody who's a scrub. So I think that's going to be a factor, too, because, again, you can only pour into guys but so much. And Coach Cut. Coach Cutcliffe is great at that. But at this point, now that you have all things being halfway decent, like there's no COVID excuse, right? There's no like, oh, we had to pause, you know, in the spring or we had to pause in the summer because of issues. Like now you have your guys, you have opportunity to get a lot better. And let's talk about it. I said on most of the show this week, the Coastal is pretty much up for grabs so long as everyone play <laughs> is on that more level playing field this year. How do you think the Coastal will end up? So uh, from a Duke lens, I mean, betonline.ag has them at 200 to one to win the ACC tied with Syracuse for the worst odds. <laughs> and, and I just look at, at this, uh, at this Duke team. And once again, I don't have a lot lofty expectations. And I think bringing in a new quarterback certainly muddies the waters a little bit for this program too. So like you said, I mean, th this coastal is up for grabs every single year yeah. for a long stretch of times, they were getting a new champion every single year it's not like the atlantic where it's clemson and everyone's else is battling for second yeah. so 
I look at the, at the, the coastal, obviously you look at a team like Carolina, they have the best player in the coastal and it's very tough when you've got good coaching, you're starting to surround that, that quarterback with a ton of talent that Mac Brown is the guy that's bringing in. So I think it's going to be the people up the road on tobacco road that is ultimately going to win the coastal. And, And I think they could give Clemson a pretty good game this year, probably one of the better games that we will see in the ACC championship because the quarterback field is a lot more level in that matchup than it used to be. And I'm not taking anything away from DJ Uyunglele, but what I am saying is Sam Howell is that good. He is on the Heisman watch for this year. So because of that, you're going to get a good matchup. Whenever the quarterbacks are even, you're going to get a good matchup. And see, I want to be down with the cause. Everybody is really hyping up Carolina, you know, former Locked on Tar Heels host here. And so I'm like, yeah, of course. But then there's teams (laughs) like Duke who will spoil that. And that's what the Coastal is all about. There are teams like Pitt, right? There are teams like Virginia Tech. There are teams like Miami who will just come in and, okay, you're having a good day. Let me go ahead and jack everything up for you. And I think Carolina wants to be the team that consistently comes in and beats you and like, oh, you know you're going to be up for a dog fight but Carolina's going to come out on top like Carolina has not yet been that team to me to consistently show and prove every single season there's always those hiccups that you know losing to a two-win Virginia team why like losing to a horrible right. FSU team last season why and I think had all the cards been playing right and Duke was just having an awful year that you know if all things were normal Duke could have come in there because again they had some great players unfortunately Chase Bryce did not help situations but Holmberg might be a better situation <laughs> so I don't want right. Carolina to rest in comfort and feel like because then that you're playing your rivalry you want you everybody steps up plays differently when it comes to those things so while I do think Carolina is running faster than most in our pace to do well I think that Duke is a type of team that wants to come in and spoil that for you. So they can have those better, like you'd rather just have those. I beat my rival memories and who cares about your season? Yeah. We only won two games, but that, that one or two, I won. I messed up Carolina's chances of going to the ACC championship. That makes for a better story always at the end of the day. Right. So. Right. (laughs) And when you look at it too, it's okay. If Duke's sitting there at the end of the season and they're playing North Carolina and and they have two wins and their bowl opportunity is out the window, but you've got a chance to play spoiler. Like you mentioned, that is your bowl game. And that's, what's going to get these upperclassmen up for it. We want to say that we spoiled our rivals chances to go to the ACC championship. And dare I say it, Candace, you may be spoiling a chance to play in the college football playoff for a team like UNC as well. Right. Cause you look at strength of schedule and you're like, okay, but you lost a team like Duke. That's unforgivable loss. Yeah. So yeah, no, that'll knock you out. (laughs) I'm a hundred percent because I think as a whole, we do, I think for everybody, want the ACC to get better in terms of just how they play against the, you know, their teams in their conference and how they beat non-conference opponents. I think it's just ACC is trying to get on the SEC Big Ten level and having good wins would just be better for everyone's sake. So when you do have to have those arguments, right, it's a lot easier to be like, okay, yes, we did lose to this team, but ACC as a whole was a bunch of, you know, amazingly talented people. So, of course, you know, still give us that opportunity. No doubt. And it's all about taking the next step for the conference as a whole, because, okay, you're probably never going to be on the SEC's level, but if you can have two, three teams that can compete Mm -hmm. with some of the SEC's best, that's important for your conference. And that's how you build the conference up, not just from a Clemson and Florida state and Miami standpoint, but from, okay, the NC state, Virginia, Virginia tech, those, the rest of those schools is built. You want to build those schools up too 
because that's ultimately what's going to build your conference identity as a stronger unit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so we're wrapping up the uh, Duke conversation. I hope you guys tune in th- throughout the season. Locked on Blue Devils podcast would be a great time. JJ Jackson does a great job with that if you want to hear more information. But we'll be giving you these kind of takes as we pre- preview and get ready for football. But switching gears here, I've been asking general conversations to the guys about their thoughts on the transfer portal. And I'm doing this all tactically. Like there's, there's a method to this madness. Like, yeah, you're like, Candace, why are you talking about transfer portal basketball? Like it's over, let it go. But as we try and get to this fall season, there's going to be some interesting shakeups. And so Tyler, you know, you got some things going on at Syracuse already with transfer portal, but I would love to just know general thoughts. How are you feeling about it as the opportunity has opened up for more players to enter it? Oh, Candace, I love the drama. <laughs> I love the drama of the transfer portal. I find this to be, okay, so this is, this is the us living in the social media world because this is, okay, people may not know the names of all the different players on all the different teams. Like I feel bad for Dickie V. He already barely knows who's on the court. He, now he has zero (laughs) idea who's on the court heading into next season. But when you look at how this is driving intrigue, driving drama and, and, our two programs are very, very good examples of this, but Walker Kessler and Garrison Brooks. I mean, Garrison Brooks, I didn't see that coming. I don't know if you did. And then from the Syracuse standpoint, it just continues to build. And like, there were a couple you expected to see go like Woody Newton, like Robert Braswell, even to a degree with Kadari Richmond. And then all of a sudden Quincy Gary is leaving and it's not for the NBA draft. That is, took back the fan base a little bit. So I find the drama, I think it's going to spark some rivalries, especially since we're seeing the ability to transfer within the conference as well. So I'm looking at that. I'm intrigued by it. I love the drama of it all. And the timing of everything is interesting because, I mean, we're seeing a guy yesterday entering the transfer portal in Remy Martin, and he's an All-American caliber guard, and he's going to go now on May 11th. He's going to say, you know what? I'm not going to play for, for Hurley at Arizona State. I'm going to go try to find a, a different situation. I, I find this entire thing so fascinating. I love the drama. I love the movement. This is free agency. And I know the coaches don't like it, but this is part of adapting. And this is why I always said I loved Roy Williams because I thought he was the most self-aware coach yeah. in the history of sports. And he knew he could not keep up with this. So yeah. what did he do? He stepped aside. He stepped right. aside and we're going to, I think this might expedite some of these coaches who cannot keep up with it. This might expedite some retirement processes. Listen, I love that you love this because you're probably one of the few who are like in the trenches, like, let's go. I'm all about, and I, I love that because we need to have other sides. We can't all be, you know, down trying to get <laughs> off my lawn. Like, I can't believe they're trying to change the game. Like, nah, I love the fact that, you know, some people are really pumped. I love that kids are getting more autonomy. I will say that. I love that kids are like, listen, it's not for me. Let me go find something else and go on about my way. But I, I'm scary because I know, I guess I could go, I know me at 18 to 22. Like, I don't know that I made the best decisions that are like really life-changing and I think when you look I don't I'm, I'm like encouraging all kids like write it down you know look it all out getting a degree from Duke versus getting a degree from like you know Podunk State like let's mm-hmm. let's have a conversation about you know long-term goals and networking and all those kind of things that are ultimately going to be the most you know meaningful once you get done with the sport because we can't see that you know basketball doesn't last forever everyone thinks they're going to play in the league for 25 years right like, right like, 
that, that's nice. However, I think that's a different conversation and just the way politics work. I know there are people in conversations like, oh, well, he transferred and this coach probably speaks ill of it. It's just so, it's, it is drama. There you go. I mean, you summed it up very nicely. It is a lot going on and it's a lot going on even in May, but at, we're going to keep this conversation rolling throughout the year because I think as a team's new rosters are getting put together, that's just a lot more spice for us as commentators to just really talk about, you know, what will teams look like and will the ACC, will ACC basketball try and get back to being a dominant conference? Cause it's been, it hasn't been what we're used to seeing. And I think, you know, we all say Carolina and Duke when they're better, it makes the conference better and it makes everybody step up. But you've got historic programs like Syracuse who are still, just as good. You got Buddy Bayheims out here, you know, definitely ruffling some feathers with a team that nobody thought was going to go as far as it did, right? So uh, I like mm-hmm. just throwing things out there and seeing kind of what sticks. Right. And, and I think you bring up an important thing with uh, the, the people and, and the family part of it. Like I, I saw something on Twitter yesterday. It was from Buddy Heald, and he kind of commented on all of the, the transfer portal drama and basically said, you're going to have a lot of family, a lot of friends that are always going to be yes, men and women in your corner saying you're better than the guy ahead of you. Yeah. But sometimes it is the coach that is right. And you yeah. are not ready to, to take that next step and, and, and be the starter or what have you. And sometimes if you stick it out for a year, maybe two, it all works out for you. Listen, all these top 50, 75 guys, all think that they're going to be one and done. And at the end of the day, there's just not <laughs> enough spots to be one and done. Uh, when you, on top of that, factor in all the sophomores, juniors, seniors that are in the sport as well. So listen, I love the drama of it. But at the same time, I know that there are kids out there that are making poor decisions in the transfer portal. Yeah. And at the same time, there are coaches who are holding other players back as well. So it's a two-way street here. I'm interested to see the day. I, I, I do think you need advisors. Yeah. Like there needs to be a collective group of independent advisors. Now, is that going to muddy waters? Probably, sure. but you have to find a way to somehow monitor the situation and not let it get out of control. I think a lot of coaches thought it got out of control. And I think there are, you could even ask certain players who will say it got out of control. Do right. the players need more control of their, their paths? Yes. But at the same time, Uh, you want controlled chaos, right? You don't just want chaos for the sake of chaos. Right, right. A hundred percent agree. And I think that's a really good point. And, you know, everyone, the yes man is cool, but humility is a mofo (laughs) and nobody likes to get humbled (laughs) when they're sitting on a bench at a different place and they're just going, you know, wild, wild west out here. Man, that is so good. And that's a great way to end it. Tyler, I appreciate your time. Can you remind folks of where they can find you and follow your work? You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Aki underscore. That's at Tyler A-K-I underscore. And also check out the Locked On Syracuse podcast and find us on Twitter at L-O underscore Syracuse. No doubt. And if you guys want more sports news that you can get in under 20 minutes with Locked On Today podcast, host Peter Bukowski updates you with every major sporting event with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Thank you guys again for your time on your weekly Wednesday hype of Locked on ACC. Make sure you guys follow, download, subscribe to the podcast, and you can hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnACC. For Candace Cooper and Tyler Ockaby, can't wait to talk to you next week. Until next time. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.